Welcome to the podcast on Natural Dallas, or the pond for short. Here's where we take the measure of the natural world that is all around us, probing its secrets, and beholding its mysterious wonders. The flora, the fauna, the earth below our feet, and the sky above our heads. All is for a game as we wade ever more deeply into the waters of discovery. This podcast is brought to you by the staff of the Dallas Public Library, where we strive to connect the curious with the passionate and foster a culture of lifelong learning. The views shared on this podcast are those of its participants and not those of the library or the city of Dallas. Let's get started. Welcome to The Pond. I'm Mel, and today's topic on the podcast is DFW Birds of Prey. Joining us for this conversation are two-thirds of the staff of the Blackland Prairie Raptor Center. Thank you for having us today. I'm Eric Newpert. I'm the executive director from the Blackland Prairie Raptor Center, and thank you for having us today. Our staff member who's not here today is uh, Haley LeBaron, and she is our rehabilitation manager. And I'll talk a little bit more about what she does in a little bit. And my name is Elizabeth, and I'm the education manager at the Raptor Center. So my job is education, obviously. So we have 15 um, resident birds. So these are raptors that cannot be released into the wild. And now their job is ambassadors for their species. And so we take them to schools and libraries just like this and different events all over DFW, educating people, North everyone in North Texas, why raptors are so important and why they should care for them like we do. As we start the episode, can I ask what exactly are raptors? Yes. So raptors are really awesome birds. So they're a specialized type of bird of prey. And the term bird of prey is kind of an umbrella term. There are lots of birds that are birds of prey. For example, a pelican can be considered a bird of prey or a heron can be considered a bird of prey because they're eating live animals. It's basically what a bird of prey is, is any bird that eats live animals and is hunting those live animals. But raptors are a specialized type of bird of prey. The word raptor actually comes from a Latin word meaning to grab. And so raptors are special because they're hunting their food using their feet first. That's what makes them a raptor. So all raptors have specialized feet, super strong feet for crushing power, and then long, sharp, curved talons. And that's essentially what their killing tool is. And so they grab their food with their feet first, and then they use their beak to tear it into smaller pieces. Um, But raptors that we have here in Texas mainly are hawks, falcons, owls, eagles, kites, osprey, caracaras, and vultures. And so all of those birds have the same looking feet and sharp curved beak. Uh, Those are the two major physical adaptations of raptors. And before we get too far into the weeds about these fascinating birds, could you talk about the history and mission of the Blackland Prairie Raptor Center itself? Sure. The Blackland Prairie Raptor Center is dedicated to environmental education and prairie conservation and also specifically bird of prey conservation. Um, With our hospital, for example, we take in injured birds of prey from all over North Texas, all the kinds that Elizabeth just talked about, even the vultures. People don't love vultures, but we love vultures, (laughs) and they're very important to our environment. Our hospital takes in an average 600 patients a year, um, which is amazing, all kinds of species, all kinds of issues. We'll do a lot of, obviously, environmental education through Elizabeth all over North Texas, and that's a big part of it. No matter what part of uh, our mission we have, it's all based on education. Uh, Even on the rehabilitation side, when somebody brings a bird in, we can talk to those people about the importance of the bird they brought in and what they do for our environment. So we're always pushing education. 
But we also do native Blackland Prairie restoration. You know, a hundred some years ago, where we're sitting here was mostly a Blackland Prairie. Downtown Dallas had houses and some buildings, but when you looked out in the landscape, it was all native Blackland Prairie. Well, that's almost all gone. And it was only a section here in North Texas that it even exists. And we have some of that on our property, actually. So when people come to our facility um, for our first Saturdays, for example, they can hike through what it used to look like. So uh, we do many programs every year, and again, take in lots of birds and do all that prairie restoration. So it all kind of envelops helping the habitat of North Texas. So sort of on that subject, what are some of the most common raptor species here in the North Texas area? So the number one most common raptor is the eastern screech owl. And that's the smallest owl that we have here in North Texas. Um, and people think they're baby owls when they see them, but they're fully grown. They just get about six to eight inches tall. And they've adapted to living in all sorts of habitats and environments. Um, so they've adapted really well to people. And in our rehab hospital, that's the number one bird that we get in. So out of the 600-ish birds that we get on average, 30% of those are eastern screech owls. Okay. We just have so many of those because they have a small territory that they make and they can live around people really well. And they eat a variety of smaller things, mice, insects, I think things that we have abundantly here in the Dallas area. Um, so they thrive here. So that's definitely the number one bird, even though it's not seen very often, right? Because they are nocturnal or they come out closer to dawn and dusk and they hide really well in those cavities. Um, but that's definitely the most common bird, even, okay. if, even though it's not the most seen bird. Um, but other birds that are the raptors that people probably see a lot are red-tailed hawks, um, great horned owls, red-shouldered hawks, Cooper's hawk. That's a really common backyard bird because they're going after your songbirds at your feeders. Um, so people see those a lot. Barred owl is pretty common as well. American kestrel, the smallest falcon in North America. And then the last one, Mississippi kite. Um, that's the most common one here in the summertime. They're only here in spring and summer. And people don't know much about them. Um, so Mississippi kite is one that we really educate a lot about in the summer because they breed in our neighborhoods and all over. They are also really well adapted. Um, so those are the most common for sure. And I would like to spend some time talking about these raptors' physical traits. Particularly, how does the diet and lifestyle of raptors influence their anatomy and appearances? Raptors are built for hunting. So they may not be the smartest animal on the planet, but they're built for hunting and surviving. And that's what they're good at. Um, so we have diurnal raptors and nocturnal raptors. So diurnal ones are hawks and vultures, falcons. And so they're out hunting during the daytime. And because of that, they have specialized eyesight. So their eyesight is a lot better um, than ours and maybe some other mammals um, because they're using their eyes to find their food first. Um, some of them can actually see in the ultraviolet light spectrum, which is really cool. So they have amazing eyesight. And obviously, like we talked about, they once they spot their food, swoop down, grab it with those specialized feet for crushing power and those talons that ultimately kill their prey. And then they have that specialized curved sharp beak, which is their fork and knife, basically, because they don't have teeth like we do to chew their food or like mammals do. Um, so they use that sharp beak to rip and tear into smaller pieces for their young or for themselves just to swallow it safely. And then our nocturnal raptors um, hunt differently. So because they don't have 
the ideal situation of light to help them find their food during the daytime, they have better hearing. So owls have amazing pinpoint accurate hearing. Their ears are actually asymmetrical on their head. Um, ours are symmetrical. So an owl's has one ear higher on one side and then one ear lower on the other side. And that's to help triangulate sound and pinpoint sound perfectly. They also have a facial disc of feathers that they can move like a big satellite dish, turn it around and listen for those mice in the dark and under the leaf litter. Um, and once that sound hits both of those ears at the exact same time, they know they're right in front of it, they can swoop down and grab it. Owls actually don't need to see their food to hunt it successfully. They can be in a totally pitch black room or area and owls up north where it snows, they don't need to migrate down because they can just listen for those mice and voles underneath the snow cover, swoop down, grab it through the snow without ever seeing it, which is amazing. Okay. Barn owls have the best hearing. They can hear a human heart beating up to 20 feet away in your chest, <laughs> which is unbelievable. Obviously, they still need to be able to see well to get around at night, um, but their hearing is their number one adaptation. So raptors are built for hunting and surviving. How have raptors adapted to the urban development of cities, and what role do they play in our urban and semi-urban environment? Some raptors have... Um, adapted better than other raptors. Um, some raptors are way more picky about their habitat and the, what food that they eat, so they need a very specific place to live and specific food to eat. Um, but there are a lot of raptors that have adapted to living in cities like Dallas and all of our suburbs um, in the adjoining areas. So the number ones that I kind of talked about earlier were the screech owls, coopers, hawks, and Mississippi kites. They live in the city. They live in our neighboring sub suburban areas, and they've adapted to development really well because all they don't they're not as picky about their food source. Screech owls will eat mice and cockroaches is one of their favorite food, which we have plenty of. Um, Mississippi kites are strictly insectivores, and so they can live wherever there's insects, which we have plenty of in the summer, tons of cicadas, grasshoppers. And then Cooper's hawks are primarily bird eaters, so they'll eat all your doves and pigeons and other songbirds, which we have plenty in the city and in the suburbs. So those birds specifically have adapted really well to living around people, and you see those the most common in urban and suburban environments. Do you have any tips or advice to North Texans who want to spot a raptor, perhaps where they should go to look for birds of prey or how to attract them to visit their yard or garden? Raptors live all around us. So wherever there's other living animals, there will be a raptor um, helping to control that population of um, their food or their prey source. So you can see them. It depends on the type of raptor that you want to see. Obviously, owls. You'll hear them more than you'll see them. So you'll hear them around dawn and dusk starting to call, and they fly silently, so you can't hear them flying. Um, but if you study their calls, if you know what they sound like, you'll definitely be able to hear an owl rather than see it. And then during the day, um, just look up in the sky. Um, you, it depends on the species and what habitat you're in. But if you're in the city, look for Cooper's hawks. Um, around wherever there's trees and other birds, they'll be going after them. Um, Red-tailed hawks love to sit along highways, believe it or not. If you ever see a big bird sitting on a telephone pole or a light pole along the highway, it's most likely a red-tailed hawk um, because there's a lot of animals around the highways, unfortunately, because people litter or throw food out their window, out their car window while they're driving, and that attracts squirrels and rats and other rodents. And that's an easy food source for the hawks. So if you see 
a hawk along the highway. It's most likely a red tail um, hunting in that area. And as far as attracting raptors to your yard, you don't necessarily need to because they're probably already there because um, they eat live animals. So there's not really much you can do to attract them. However, eastern screech owls love cavities like most owls. So they're cavity dwelling birds. So they like to be in an old woodpecker hole or a natural tree cavity. And what you can do, they take really well to this, is an eastern screech owl box. You can either build one um, yourself. You can find the plans online. Audubon and Cornell have plans online. So you can build one yourself and put it up if you have a nice oak tree in your yard, um, about 10 feet up or higher, and you might attract screech owls to nest in your yard. Um, and then if you have more land, you can also do the same thing for barred owls and barn owls. Um, put up owl boxes to attract them, and they'll eat all your mice and your cockroaches and all those pests that you don't want around you. And what's kind of funny at the same time is we get quite a few calls at the Raptor Center when people put up bird feeders in their backyard. They attract all the small birds, and what eats smaller birds are the Cooper hawk that Elizabeth was talking about. So we actually get quite a few calls. How do we keep the Cooper hawks away? <laughs> we get that all the time. They're like... You know, I have all these beautiful birds, and then this hawk comes through. Oh, my and goodness. And so it's, you know, when you're asking about, you know, attracting birds, uh, raptors, well, we you know, there's the other side of it is, you know, you get all the small birds, and that'll attract the bigger raptors to come join in with the food. And then people are like, oh, my gosh, what do we do? And the only way to really stop that is is to take the feeder down because it's just making it an easy food source for them. So Absolutely. it kind of has both sides mm -hmm. of it, which is we get that quite a bit. Yeah, that... <laughs> That is very interesting. <laughs> um, do birds of prey in North Texas face significant threats? Oh, yes. There, there are lots of things that go on. With all the development, for example, here in North Texas, especially if you're heading north, you see all that construction going on. Well, that's all habitat that's no longer in existence, for instance, for all wildlife. Um, but you know, raptors being an apex predator, being the top of the food web, they depend on all that other type of food. And um, when the habitat is disappearing, um, all the wildlife, including the raptors, are going to disappear because of that. That's one major thing. And it all kind of mixes into rehabilitation that we do, that patients that come in the door, um, birds getting shot, poisoned, um, hit by cars is a big one. As we have a bigger population going on, uh, the birds don't know what a car is, as Elizabeth was saying. The red-tailed hawks on the road, they know what food is. They don't know what a car is. So they go after that food, and suddenly they're getting hit by cars. So those are some of the major ones we get. Uh, definitely hit by cars. Not as much, but we do get some uh, birds that are shot, and that's actually illegal. Um, all native birds in the United States are protected by the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. So if you shoot um, a bird, uh, kill it in any way, or injure it, that's actually against federal law. Um, so anything along the lines of poisoning, shooting, and all that, we always have to report them to the federal government. You, we are under U.S. Fish and Wildlife regulations. Um, so anything along that line with those threats. And they do a lot also during migration. And actually, Dallas is part of Lights Out Texas, which is really cool. In the spring and fall now, birds are migrating by the billions, and they fly at night. And if the lights are on in all the tall buildings, that actually, the birds get confused by that. Um, and they'll fly around and around or fly into the into the buildings. A lot of the big cities, uh, seven of the big cities in Texas just alone, actually turn off a lot of their lights during migration. Now, they just started that in the last year, which is really cool and very important for all these migrating species because right here in Dallas, we're a big migratory path for a lot of birds. Um, so the more that we can do 
um, within the city and you know people out in the country, it's very important to help them. Help them, and uh, Mississippi kites are a very important one. For example, uh, Elizabeth was talking about them. They come up here in the summer, they breed, they have their kids, and they have to be all ready to go right about now in September. They're flying south right now, so if they have any issues during this time frame, well, it may be too late for them to migrate south. And the one, and we get quite a few of them that have that issue. We can rehabilitate them and actually get them down to the coast if we can and get them released. So we can do part of that. Um, but there are a whole lot more birds out there um, that won't make it because of that. So with all the development here in North Texas, there are a lot of, a lot of issues that birds deal with. And it kind of melds right into the rehabilitation of what we do. As everything I was talking about with all the issues that come in the door, um, there are also a lot of others, and one of the big ones is in the spring with baby season. And we always like to really uh, impress upon people uh, when you find a baby bird on the ground, um, not just raptors, but any birds, really the best thing to do is leave them alone. Um, the parents are going to be around somewhere taking care of them. We get a lot, especially screech owls. Screech owls, you know, they end up on the ground. They look like babies, and they're able to fly. They're just learning to fly. We, we tell people all the time that, it's like riding a bike. You fall a lot, you get back up and you do it again. And screech owls, for instance, they can climb up a tree. So even if you find it on the ground, it doesn't necessarily mean it needs help in any way. The best thing to do is just to leave them alone and give them the opportunity. Their parents are going to be somewhere. And, you know, if you're suddenly taking this baby because you think it needs help, well, you've just kidnapped a youngster. And poor parents are around going, what, what, what just happened to my kid? Um, and it ends up at a rehabilitation facility when it doesn't need to be. So a lot of times uh, with the raptors, if we get youngsters in that look perfectly fine, we'll actually ask people to take them back and put them back in a tree or a bush. And the parents will do just fine. I, I've done that a number of time, times this spring. I did one with a baby screech owl, put it up in the tree, and the parents were right there just waiting. In rehabilitation, we do have so many issues, and we always like to talk about the really important ones like babies in the spring. Because if you take a baby home and you raise it yourself, um, it imprints on you, on humans instead. And when that happens, it's permanent. And you can't let it go back to the wild. It hasn't learned how to hunt, doesn't know what to eat. And all of a sudden, you have a bird there that has no idea what to do. And if you do let it go back in the wild, it won't survive. So we get a number of birds every year that come in our front door. The people are like, oh, I've had this bird for a month. And it's like, oh dear, now we have a problem because this bird can't go back into the wild. What are we going to do with it? Um, and in education, we have a number of our birds that are actually human imprints because they don't know what to do, but they become great ambassadors. Um, another one we really like to talk about, and we're getting more and more of this, is rodenticides. That's a big one. You know, so people put those little chunks out there to go after the rats and mice outside. Unfortunately, you know, those rats and mice eat it. And then bigger animals, and not just raptors, but bigger animals, the, your you know neighbor's cat, for instance, are going to eat that mouse or rat, and they get it, and they're going to die from it. It's, it's not a pretty sight when we get uh, raptors in that have eaten other animals that are poisoned, and then they slowly die from it. It's, it's really rough. And it's something that can be stopped, because most of the time, it's because they're, you know, the squirrels or the mice or rats are getting into your house. So if you can actually plug up all the holes and make it an area where the mice and rats don't want to be, that's a great thing. Um, so we always ask people, you know, please... There are alternatives to using rodenticides and glue traps, the sticky traps. You know, people, we just got a screech owl in two days ago. Um, a gentleman, actually, I talked to him afterwards, and he said he had never used, you know, glue traps before. 
And he put one down and he went out at five in the morning and there's a screech owl completely stuck to it, flailing around. And he was horrified. I mean, he was just, it, it was awful for him. And he realized how bad it was and he brought it to us. And we can take care of that. A lot of things we can, we can help um, in rehabilitation. And that's one, um, but it doesn't catch just raptors again. I mean, any kind of animal is going to get on, stuck on that trap. And um, it's really cruel. Um, so again, there are alternatives, you know, for that type of thing. So there's so much that gets, you know, covered in rehabilitation. And uh, Haley, who is our rehabilitation manager, she oversees um, all the patients that come in, all the work we do, uh, because we have ICU units. We can do x-rays and blood work and everything necessary to find out what's wrong with the patient. And we can do surgeries if necessary. And we have huge flight cages. So imagine we have an eagle flight cage. And the eagle flight cage is 20 feet wide. 100 feet long and 24 feet high. So imagine that it's a big room and that's what you need for an eagle to fly. They flap once and they're across that space. So we have all different sizes of caging and rehabilitation necessary that if it's got a broken wing, well, like in humans, you have to rehabilitate, right? You have to get that working again. So we do the same thing with our birds of prey. We have all these cages so they get the opportunity to learn how to fly again and hunt and do everything before they can be released back out in the wild. And that's the mission of rehabilitation is every patient we get in is to try to get it back out in the wild. So there are a whole lot of things that go on here in North Texas with it, um, but we just try to do our part in receiving the patients and giving them a second chance by getting them back in the wild. Well, it's obvious, by the way, that uh, you both talk about your work, that you're passionate about working with raptors. I'd really like to hear a little bit about how you each got interested in rehabilitating raptors. For me, I, I grew up around uh, learning about birds um, from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. My grandmother was one of the original people there type of thing. So um, it's always been in my blood. I've always birded, learned all kinds of things about you know doing bird counts and rehabilitation and everything. And when I got here to Texas in 1998, started helping with the rehabilitation of raptors and have done it ever since. And then Haley, our rehab manager. So she um, started as a volunteer at a raptor rehab clinic in Northern California when she was 16. And then she volunteered at Monterey Bay Aquarium for 16 um, with sea otter rehab. And while she was going to college and working in other vet clinics, and since she graduated college, she um, managed a wildlife rehab in Southern California. And then also was the manager at a raptor rehab clinic in South Florida. And now, obviously, she's our manager here in Dallas. So she has a lot of background in rehab, and it started when she was in her teens and just followed that passion ever since. And then for me, my story is a little bit different. I actually never did rehab, raptor rehab, until I got here to Dallas. Um, I've always been on more in the education or research side of things. So I knew in college that I wanted to major in biology because I wanted to go towards something in wildlife and conservation, but I had no idea exactly what that would look like or be. And then my senior year, um, my advisor said, hey, why don't you take ornithology as an elective? You know, the professor is awesome. And that's when birds, I got hooked on birds. Um, so I fell in love with birds and birding, and I had no idea the world of birds, what it is, how many different birds there are. Um, and every place you can go, all the beautiful places to see these different birds. So that's really what sparked my interest. And after that, I interned and volunteered at um, nature centers and then also did some research field seasons of 
doing territory mapping and bird banding and nest searching for different species of birds all over the country, different places. Um, and then the nature centers that had raptors in captivity, I volunteered there and did programs with them. And ever since then, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And then when I moved to Dallas and I found the raptor center here, I started out as a volunteer. I volunteered for a year and then got hired on as education manager after that. Well, this has been a very informative conversation about raptors so far. I'm sure that any listeners who didn't know what a raptor was now have a whole suitcase full of fun facts about what raptors are and how they live. Um, Still, I would really be interested to know what one thing is that you both would like everyone listening to the podcast to know about raptors. Raptors are so important as a part of the Texas environment. Um, They're an apex predator and all the things that we were talking about, you know, rats, mice, squirrels, all those things that people don't want in their house. Well, guess what the job of a raptor is? As well as all that roadkill and everything. Well, guess what the job of a vulture is? These birds are very important to our environment overall because they help keep it clean from the nature standpoint, which to us is a very important aspect of the overall environment of North Texas. So people really need to appreciate them. And when they see them out there, point them out to everybody and tell everybody else about them. And that's the best way to do it. Spread the word about how cool they are and how important they are to what we have here in North Texas. It's obvious that the the center is doing really great work for the raptors around North Texas, as well as um, educating on raptors even beyond North Texas. So how can listeners support or get involved with the Blackland Prairie Raptor Center? We have a lot of ways that uh, folks can do that. The first one I'll start with actually is back to rehabilitation. And what if you find an injured raptor? Because we get those calls every single day through Facebook, emails. The best way to do it is to give us a call. And we have a cell phone line that's available. And if you can give out that number, that's terrific. Because we're open seven days a week uh, from nine to five-ish. And if you call us, we can talk you through what you have. In fact, we like to get a lot of texts. Texts are great. You take a picture of what the issue might be, and we can tell you. If it's a baby, leave it alone. Or if there's something else wrong with it, then we definitely need to um, help this bird. We have volunteers who have helped us get birds if we need to. We have work with all the animal controls in the area, game wardens with a lot of folks that can uh, help us through that process. So we want to make sure that people know that There is a place, because most of the time we get the story of, I've never even thought about this, and now I have a hawk at my feet that's injured. What do I do? Um, So Blackland Prairie Raptor Center is your source. And even if you just have questions, if you give us a call um, or go on our website, we have a lot of information on our website about that, bpraptorcenter.org. So the first thing I would like to start with is the rehabilitations. We are there to help everybody uh, when you have an issue. Our phone number is 469 964-9696. It's actually a pretty easy one. You think about it, 469-964-9696. And that'll get you in touch with somebody at our clinic that can help start with the process, which is really terrific. Helping the patients, that's a big part of it. But we have so many other ways that that, uh, people can help us. And even if you just want to visit with us, we're open the first Saturday of every month to the public. So you can look on our calendar, on our website, on our Facebook page, and it has our events. So for Saturdays, we have different themes every month, and we have some of our education ambassadors out, and we do programs, and we have themes, 
uh, particular to maybe migration, or we have actually a really cool Halloween coming up on October 30th, which will be open for the public. And again, that's going to be on our website as well, Facebook page. Um, a lot of other ways that folks can help with is um, with donations. Obviously, any nonprofit, that, that's a big part of it. But on our website, if you bring a patient in, and anybody can do this, actually. It's really cool. If you go to Rescue and drop down to something called Raptor Med, Raptor Med, if you click on that, it'll actually take you to a list of all the patients we have in right now. And you can click on any of the numbers, and you can actually see what's going on with that patient right then. So if you bring a bird in, and you want, want to follow it and see how it's doing, well, you can go to our website. You can actually track the day-to-day work of it. We had a screech owl come in from Flower Mound. And we have about, what, 2,000 people from that group following that screech owl through the process <laughs> from beginning to end. It was really cool. And and uh, they really, everybody really watches that page a lot. It's amazing how many people have said, oh, I was watching that bald eagle on your on the, you know that page to see what it was eating today or what you were treating it with today. And you can donate to patients specifically on that website. You know, we have all our special events coming up. We have our education programming, which is a very important part of what we do. So if you're interested at your schools, community events, uh, environmental organizations, whatever it might be, email us. You can go to talk to Elizabeth, but we have education at bpraptorcenter.org. Just go to our website and find out more about the education programs we do. I mean, if you're really interested in learning more about that, she's a great resource. And we have programs all over North Texas. We'll go all over North Texas to do that type of thing. So between the rehab, our education, um, all the special events that we have, and we go to community events as well, a lot. Uh, so you might see us at other events as well, which is a really fun way to, to get the word out there. Anything else, Elizabeth, I need to think about for... I don't think so. I mean, if someone wants to donate stuff to on our, we have an Amazon wish list, you can go on our website and click on the link. And we go through a lot of stuff to care for these birds. So all that stuff that we need is listed. So you can just click on that and it'll be shipped right to us. Yeah, okay. Very cool. Uh, would you like to share that rehabilitation number one more time for the listeners? Sure. The cell phone is 469-964-9696. Okay. And you said you can text that line? You can text that line if you have a, a, a bird you're not sure of. And we get we get more than just, just raptors on there. People are not sure about an injured bird they found. And if it's not a raptor, we will point you in the right direction to get you to the rehabilitators who can help you with that if it's a different kind of bird. Um, and we're always willing to do that because Elizabeth and I are both birders. We're always intrigued by some of the, the texts we get in of different species of things. So it's, it can be interesting sometimes for us as well. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. It was a, a pleasure to have you on the pond. Well, thank you very much for having us. We much appreciate it. Yes, thank you very much. You've been listening to The Pond Podcast, brought to you by the staff of the Dallas Public Library, where we inspire curiosity, connect people, and advance lives. See you next time, and until then, keep your eyes open for the natural world all around us.